Good morning. We're on Pro Mindset Podcast today with a special guest, Emma Spence. Emma is a gifted Canadian gymnast and Olympic hopeful. She's currently a member of the uh, senior Canadian uh, national team. And the girls that are on the national team, uh, a lot of them end up on the Olympic team. She also currently dazzles audiences at the University of Nebraska. She competes for the Cornhuskers. Uh, delivering fantastic performances marked by grace and technical precision. And beyond her athletic accomplishments, she's a dedicated student-athlete. She really embodies the spirit of student-athlete. I want to welcome Emma Spence to Pro Mindset today. Thanks for having me. It's okay, girl. You you brought your dog to the show. Okay, give me one second and just... That's okay. Abby... Are you done work? No. Okay. Okay. I'm doing a podcast right now. So can you make sure Charlie doesn't bark, please? Feed the, feed Charlie. No, my sister just came in. Okay. No, Should good. be good now. Should be good. Okay. So Emma, welcome to Pro Mindset today. Thanks for having me. Okay. So share with our audience where you're, where you're at right now. So right now I'm in Canada. Um, I just finished our NCAA season at the end of April. I've been back in Canada for about two months now, but I'm about to head back over to Nebraska to start training with the team um, and preparing for our upcoming season and potentially some Canadian competitions in the fall. So Canada's big. Where are you at in Canada? I am from Cambridge, Ontario. Usually I just tell people I'm about 45 minutes away from Toronto. Um, in a pretty small town. Okay. So how does a girl from a small town in Cambridge, Ontario, Canada, find herself at the University of Nebraska? Um, Honestly, it was kind of random. For a long time, I wasn't even sure if I was going to be doing NCAA gymnastics. So I didn't reach out to many schools myself, uh, but they came down to a Canadian competition probably in about 2018, 2019, and they showed interest in me. Um, and we just kind of stayed in contact ever since. And then when I decided that I did want to do the NCAA path, uh, they really wanted me and I was interested in them because we had that connection already and I decided to commit with them. But another fun thing to mention, I guess, is that this was all during COVID. So I actually never had the opportunity to go visit the campus or do anything like that, go on a recruiting trip. So uh, they just showed me on FaceTime the campus, uh, met some people on FaceTime. They gave me tours of the facilities. And after that, I decided that I really liked it and I wanted to commit there. Well, we've talked off off show about the idea that um, sometimes the Olympic people don't like uh, the girls competing at NCAAs. Give the audience a perspective on the Olympic level compared to the NCAA level. Yeah, so I've been competing international for a long time now since I since 2017 I compete for Canada internationally and it's just a different level of gymnastics it's a little bit more difficult the routines are longer the skills are harder uh so it's just a little bit more it's more difficult overall uh and NCAA gymnastics is more about perfecting your skills the routines are shorter but you have to be very perfect and precise in everything you do so the difficulty level isn't as high most of the time um so I train both. Most people don't do both. You either choose to do NCAA or you choose to do the Olympic path, but I decided that I'd like to do both. So I compete NCAA gymnastics from January to April. And then during that 
when I'm not doing that, I'm training for Olympic level competitions at the international level in different countries for Team Canada. Um, sometimes I balance both. During our preseason last year, I went to England for three weeks uh, from, I think it was in October last year for World Championships. So being able to balance both is definitely challenging, uh, especially because they are different routines for each type of competition that you do. So I have a different routine I do in NCAA versus that I do when I compete at the international level for Canada. They're just a little bit more difficult in that way. Okay, so I may not have done a very good job of introducing you because I want the audience to understand that you're one of the top five women in the country of Canada in the gymnastics world. Fair? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah, so we, we expect to see you in the Olympics. All right. That's the goal. Isn't that the goal? That's the goal. That is the goal. Okay. So one of the things that I think that I learned from you talking offline was that you're getting all these repetitions. You're getting, getting all these opportunities in NCAA to compete. You're, it almost seemed like you are comfortable with the stress and the discomfort and the anxiety of competition. Where if you just yeah. practice and practice and practice, and then you go to an international event, you not only have to focus on what your routine is, but you also have to work on yourself. Where when you're in NCAA, you're getting a lot of, a lot of opportunities to do that. Why don't you share your perspective on that? Yeah. So uh, when I compete for Canada, or when I was just competing for Canada, I competed probably five times max, five times max every year. Um, when I compete NCAA, you go from January to April and you compete basically every weekend. So I competed 12 weeks in a row, 12 weekends in a row um, of 12 different competitions. And that just gives me so much more experience. Doing those meets, I did all around every time, which means I competed 48 routines in four months. And that's probably the amount that I would do in a couple years of doing elite gymnastics. So I just have a lot more experience doing that and getting practice competing in high pressure situations, which has allowed me to just gain confidence competing in front of a big crowd in front of the judges and be able to use that confidence that I've gained through NCAA uh, and showcase that when I compete elite as well. How would you say your coaches in Canada and your national team members, uh, what have they noticed about you coming back from Nebraska and getting the opportunity to get that, you know, those competition reps? Um, from the feedback I've heard from them, it's more just that I look confident competing. I look like I, I know what I'm doing. I get up there and they trust that I'm not going to fall just because I have all those repetitions. So when I was at world championships last year, they put me as the lead off on every event that I competed. So the lead off is important because you kind of set the tone for the team. Um, if the first person goes up and falls then the rest of the team are just kind of a little bit more nervous going into it because they have to hit. So they usually try and put someone that they trust to hit their routines at the beginning. And that's why they told me they wanted me to be the lead off at those, at that big competition world championships was a big deal for us. And um, being the start off lead off on every event was definitely a little bit nerve wracking, but it just showed that they trusted that I was going to hit those routines and be able to perform in that moment. And I think that just proved to myself and to them that I've gained that experience through NCAA gymnastics. Okay. This is pro mindset. So let's talk about mindset. Let's talk about, mm -hmm. Those competition reps, those competition opportunities that you've gotten, you know, 12 more than your, than your peers in Canada. 
Let's talk about what have you done and what have you refined? Um, what have you expanded in terms of your mindset preparation for a competition? Um, I kind of just, honestly, it took a while to figure out what worked for me and I'm still working on it. Sometimes I find new things that help. Uh, one thing that really helps me the most in every competition I do is just focus on one thing at a time, uh, one skill at a time, one dance move at a time, whatever it is, it's just one thing at a time. You have to stay where your feet are because it's so easy to make a mistake and to fall, especially in the sports gymnastics. Like it's like quick second and you're off the beam or you're, you just do something a little too slow. You land on your head. Like you have to be right where you are in that moment so that you prevent making those kind of mistakes. Uh, so especially in a high pressure situation, you're up on the beam, there's thousands of people watching your body's shaking. You can feel yourself shaking. It's like, okay, just breathe through this one step, one skill, one move at a time. And that's kind of what has helped me push through it. Uh, that's more like what I think internally when I go into those routines, but the external factors I'd say is being able to talk to my teammates, my coaches, being able to look at them and be like, yes, you can do this. It's like, okay, I can do this. Having that external feedback to help me believe in myself. Um, and sometimes I like to listen to music right before I go on an event or something like that to help calm me down. But when it's in that moment, it's stay where your feet are one thing at a time. I love it. So share with the, share with the audience, what is your favorite uh, uh, pre-competition song? Uh, okay, so I love country music. Country music all the okay. way. Um, usually something slower, especially when I go on Beam. Beam, I definitely have the hardest time competing just because it's you get so nervous and you can really feel, feel yourself shaking because the routines are so slow. You have to be so calm and under control and because of that, you can really feel it when you're nervous and your body actually is just shaking. Like your hands are shaking. You're looking at the beam, your hands are in front of you and you can just tell that they're shaking. Um, so that's what I do the most, or that's what helps me the most to be able to stay calm. Probably some Luke Combs, some slow songs from him, but usually country helps me for beam. Uh, it's a little different for floor and vault. Usually I don't need to listen to music to get me in the zone just because you need to have more energy you have to feel more hype going into those events because they are power events. Uh, so that is something interesting to mention actually about gymnastics is you have to have a different kind of mindset going into each event because bars and beam, you have to be more in control and more calm. But then when it gets to floor and vault, you need to have that adrenaline rush. You need to be super hype and get yourself going. So you either intense pep talks with your teammates, listen to more intense music, start jumping around. But for beam, you have to really sit down, calm down, meditate right before you go. Uh, and finding that balance definitely took me a few years, but being able to compete every weekend in NCAA has helped me figure that out. That's very, very interesting because if you're excited before you get on the beam, one little one little misstep and you're on the floor. I mean, you fall exactly. right. So <clears throat> I want to I want to I want you to dig deeper into this. Be in the moment and. What I've learned through my my experience with you know pro athletes is when they're not in the if, if, when they're not where their shoes are, we're in the game thinking about the next play. They're thinking a lot about the last play. They're thinking about what they're gonna where they're gonna go to dinner after the game. It's never a good result ever. So no. how do you intentionally control and guide yourself to focus on the now? Yeah. So I, I really talk through it with myself. Like I'm telling myself everything I need to do 
So every little correction that my coaches have told me right before I go be my college coach likes to go over every single little detail to focus on right before I do my routine. Uh, so it's like, okay, I get up on that beam. It's like you salute to the judges. Okay. Arms out in front of you. Okay. Take your step, leg up, turn. Like I talk myself through that whole routine and it's different for gymnastics than it was. It would be for like football because football, you don't really know exactly because it's, it also depends on what the other team is doing, but in gymnastics, like, you know what you have to do. You have to do the same routine each time. It's all up to you to make that call because you're, you're doing your routine. Like it's what you've trained every single day. It's not like you're doing something based on the other team. You're doing it because that's what you have to do. So you really, you know what you have to do. You just have to go out and do it. And it has to be the exact same way every single time. So I literally talk to myself throughout my whole routine, especially bars too. It's like, okay, jump, grab the bar. Okay. Hips forward legs up, cast up, like every single part of the skill, I break it down in my head. And then I tell myself every part that I need to do. So that means I'm, I'm exactly where I'm at. And if my mind slips for one second, it's like, Oh, that light is bright over there. Oh, what, who's, what's that person doing over there? Like, it's so easy to distract yourself, but in moments like that, it's, that's when it goes bad. Last year I had one meet, I about to go with my dismount. I'm like, Oh, it's just a dismount. But like, I didn't think every single part, my legs gave out of my dismount. Mm -hmm. I almost fell. And it's like, it's so quick. It like, the, the chances of making a mistake like that gets so quick if your mind wanders even just for one second. Well, there's three. I, I look at sports as, and performance in three different ways. One is you're, you're competing. And that's mm -hmm. where you're competing against somebody. And, and honestly, every, every act is different. Like football, everything's different. There's no two places mm -hmm. to say. The mm -hmm. second type is performing. That's dancers and gymnasts and that have routines that are being in their mind. They're comparing what they're doing to what they were supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Fair. The judges yeah. are doing the same thing because they've seen, they've watched you on tape. They've judged you before. They're, they know what your routine is. And they're looking at how well do you do, especially dance, the floor exercise. They're looking at how did she do, you know, compared to what she could have done. And the last one, the last form of uh, performance and competition is responding. And that's, you know, certain, certain elements of, of competition and performance is you're responding. Like in, like even in gymnastics, responding might be um, equipment malfunction. I, mm -hmm. You know, something goes haywire or, you know, the, the audience goes crazy because they're, they're applauding some other girl that's competing yeah. in another event, right? And you have to stay dialed in and focused on what you're doing. Yeah. Okay. So here's the thing that I'm confused about. Because <clears throat> I've never been a performer. I've always been a competer. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I've always done competitions. How can you think about what you're supposed to be doing and at the same time not be, you know, being a critic of yourself about, well, I wish I'd have done that better. Oh, I should have did more of this. How, how does that dialogue go? Or do you not have that dialogue during the competition? During the competition, I really try my best not to. Um, our coaches always tell us, if you make a mistake, pretend that it was supposed to happen that way. Like you can't show it on your face. You can't have poor body language because the judges are looking for that. Ultimately, they're looking to see, oh, she made a mistake there. I didn't catch it, but she thinks she did. So I'll take that off. So you just have to pretend that every single thing you did was meant to be that way, even if it's bad. Uh, sometimes you land a, land something wrong and you just salute and you pretend that that was supposed to happen. You keep dancing around the floor. 
like you have to forget about it as soon as it happens. And then usually after the routine, that's when I'll reflect on it. But in the moment, in the routine, you just have to keep going. Uh, there's nothing you can do or that'll change what happened. Um, thinking about it and just being stuck in that moment in the middle of a floor routine is not going to help you. You just have to push it aside in the moment and then later on reflect on it and think about it. Uh, sometimes I've had routines. I mess up the first pass on floor. I finish the whole routine and I walk away and I'm like, oh, that was good. And it's like, oh, wait, that happened in the same routine because um, you're just so in the moment. And it's like, OK, you have to also be able to finish off the routine well, because in gymnastics, every 10th counts, every mistake counts. Sometimes someone will have one fall and the other person will have two falls. So you still win with one fall. So even if you make one mistake, it's not the end and it's it's not over till it's over. So having that mindset and just being able to move forward in the moment. And that also takes a lot of practice. I know um, for me, it took a lot of time and experience. And I know some people that still struggle with it. It's just having that experience and being able to push it aside in the moment. Um, and it takes a while to learn that, honestly. Okay, so you're you're obviously a college-age girl, young lady. If you were coaching a, a young lady in Canada that was like 12, just mm-hmm. at the beginning of junior national type competitions, mm-hmm. What what wisdom would you pass on to that person that could help them avoid some of the mistakes and some of the bumps and bruises you had to go through to get to where you're at? Um, I would say to really trust yourself. I feel like myself and a lot of gymnasts, it's hard. Or, yeah, it's hard to trust yourself. It's very easy to doubt yourself, especially when you just have to go out there and do all these hard things in front of a lot of people. And you have judges that are literally trying to point out every single mistake you do. It's not like you get, they give you an extra point. If you did something well, it's no, you start, especially in NCAA, you start at a 10 and you go down from there. So you're being critiqued every single time you go out there, whether you see it that way or not. So just being able to trust yourself and just try your best. Honestly, I think that's why I was able to get as far as I did was just, uh, trusting myself and enjoying it and just being in the moment because it's, it's really easy to get caught up in the judges taking points away from you, but you just have to try and beat yourself and compete against yourself every day. And that's how I determine my success. It's like, okay, I did better than I did the last meet or I did better here. And sometimes that's hard because the judges are different. So one judge will like something and the other one won't. So you do a better routine at one competition and then you get a lower score than you would at the last one, just because the judges are different. So it's really just competing against yourself, competing against your past routines that I find has helped me um, try to stay out of, I guess, that drama that happens with judges or that you'll think to yourself, it's like, oh, I did a better routine, but they gave me a worse score. You just have to trust yourself and be like, yeah, I did a better routine. That's good. Like I'm improving. I know that. And I just have to build on that, whether the judges see it or not. One of the things that, um, I talk about with my guys is the idea that if you do your best and they don't like you, they cut you, it's okay. Yeah. But it's in that situation where you don't do your best, then you have regret. You, you have the wish, you know, I wish I would, uh, you know, the, basically the, you, you're in your head because you know, you didn't do your best. So mm-hmm. is it also true in gymnastics that, if you go out and just blow, just, just blow it out. I mean, you have an unbelievable uh, competition. All four events, you rock and roll. 
and you mm-hmm. still don't get the scores you were hoping for, that's easier to live with. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah. All right. Sometimes so, it's frustrating, but it's easier to move on knowing that you gave it all you had. That's all you got. Yeah. That's all, that's you, all got. you can do. That's yeah. all you can do. Absolutely. Okay. So one of the things that I've seen when I've been at live competitions for gymnastics and um, because of my wife and her involvement with the Olympics over the years, I've been to, um, you know, probably a dozen gymnastics competitions at the Olympic level. It seems to me energy and confidence are two of the things that really come through because the judges are human. They, mm-hmm. they, they're feeling, I almost feel like they're feeling the competition as much as they're looking at the competition, looking at the mm-hmm. competitors and they're influenced by the audience. So yeah. the, the, the competitors, the gymnasts that can get the audience behind them because they are smiling, they're happy, they're confident. They're, they're looking like everything they're doing is what they exactly plan to do. The judges almost get, catch that wave and ride the wave that the, that the fans do. What yes, is your perspective sure. on that as a competitor? I, that's definitely a thing um, in college and in elite level too. I had one competition last year in England and I was just enjoying myself. I was having sm- having fun, smiling, and this was coming right off NCAA season. And People in elite gymnastics don't really do that, but I was so used to the, uh, the NCAA side. And after my routines, I celebrate and we have fun because that's what we do. So I'm doing that by myself and the whole crowd was like, what is this girl doing? Like no one's ever happy like this, but they loved it because it's, it's just fun. Like you can tell that I'm enjoying myself. You can tell that I'm happy. And throughout that routine, those routines at that competition, the, the crowd was clapping. I was doing my floor routine halfway through the whole crowd started clapping. And there was like 50, 60,000 people in that like building. And they're all clapping to my routine just because of the energy that I was bringing. So you can definitely see that in there. Some girls in NCAA um, if you're well known, the judges will definitely be influenced by that or by how the crowd reacts to your routines. Um, so it is a performance you are competing for yourself, but you're also, it's a performance you try and get the crowd involved, you try and get everyone else involved to get behind you to help bring that energy for yourself and just help you be able to perform better. It's interesting. It's not just you out there. It's, there's a lot of what? other factors. Well, let me ask you this. When you go to your next international competition, mm-hmm. did you learn anything from that England competition from the standpoint of bringing a little bit of the NCAA fun and joy to the event actually played to your favor? And would it make sense the next time you go international to have that same energy? Just because that's how you, that's how you set yourself apart. I mean, the, when I look at these competitors, they look a lot, they lot, a lot of them look the same. You know, to the untrained eye, we can't tell the difference. Obviously, yeah. if somebody bobbles on the on the beam, you can tell. If somebody, yeah. you know, doesn't land on the on the floor exercise, you can tell. Yeah. But in between, when everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing, I can't tell. So, but I can I can see and feel energy. I can see confidence. So mm-hmm. does it make sense to ramp up your confidence and your energy the next time you go compete internationally? Yes. And that's what I did. So last year, the first competition I was talking about was Commonwealth Games, and that was in England. 
And then a couple of months later, I was back in England at the World Championships. And some of the people that were at that meet came back uh, to watch the World Championships. Some of them messaged me through Instagram. They're like, oh, my gosh, I saw you're competing. I'm so excited to watch you um, see how happy you are when you compete. And it's just it's not even the act that I'm putting on when I compete. It's just how I feel. And so many gymnasts are told to suppress that. Uh, and you can't show your emotions because that's just what everyone does. But through NCAA, I've learned that I compete better when I'm actually just being myself. I'm just doing what I want in the moment. I'm expressing myself. I'm enjoying myself and I'm taking in everything that I'm doing. And that's what I did at the world championships as well. And that's definitely helped me. Um, it gets the crowd more involved, more engaged. And I just, I'm myself and I compete best when I'm being myself. So that's one thing that I've definitely learned last year by doing the NCAA going into the elite. I couldn't have said it better. I think one of the things that happens for athletes is when they are who they really are and they're in alignment with their purpose and their identity, they perform better Mm -hmm. because you eliminate the, the little dialogue you can have with your little inner voice that says something to the effect of, Hey, should you be doing it this way? Should you do a little bit more of this and a little bit less of that? No, just be you. And if they don't like you, so what? Yeah. Be your best and be have your own style. Some of the most famous athletes in the Olympics, as well as in team sports, they, they walk to the beat of a different drummer. They did it their way. Yeah. And at certain points, people were like, hey, man, that guy's cocky. That guy's this or that. But you know what? He ends up being in the top. He ends up being the top dog. So I'm going to encourage you to be you. What, whoever you want to be, be you. Be mm-hmm. genuine. Be who you are. Because when you when you are, you're going to perform better. Okay? Yeah. Yeah, I've learned what, that. What role does... What role does um, in your in your preparation for an event, what role does imagination, creating a movie, visualization, imagery, all these words that describe actually seeing yourself do great before you actually do it? It's huge. Uh, that's one of the main things that I think that helps me. Uh, especially because, like I said, you do the same routine every time. Like, you know what you're supposed to go out there and do. It's not like a sport that it's like, oh, if this team does this, then I'm going to do this. It's like, no, I'm going to go out there and this is exactly what I have to do. So, you know, you know what you have to visualize. Uh, You know how it's supposed to go. So before the meets, we do that. Sometimes when I'm at home, I do that. When I'm injured, I do that. Um, Prepping for the Olympics in 2020, I was injured, so I couldn't fully train, but I was still prepping for the Olympics. So what I would do, I would do for on beam, for example, I would do my routines maybe twice a week. The other two days, I would get up on that beam and I would just walk up and down and I would visualize my routines because my body just couldn't handle doing the actual skills. So it's just going through the skills in your head in that same environment, I feel like does almost the same thing as if I were to do it. Because once you have that experience and your body knows how to do it, it's muscle memory anyways. So it's just your brain that's telling you how to do it. And that's why it goes wrong sometimes. It's just mental. So if you can be mentally strong, knowing that going into your routines, you're going to hit it because you've done it so many times, even if it's not physical, it's mental. You still have those reps under your belt that help you when you go out and perform. So I definitely do it all the time. 
uh, when I'm injured, that's what I would do instead of my routines because I couldn't physically do them. Or before routine, before we compete, our coaches get us all out there. Uh, we walk around the arena, we visualize our routines, uh, and we just mentally prepare for the actual competition that way. And I feel like it's almost maybe just as beneficial as actually warming up the routines. Like I don't warm up as much because I'm like, okay, I'll do two turns on bars, then I'll visualize it, then I'll be good. And like, I find that that helps me just as much because of the experience that I have already doing the routines that I don't need as many reps if I can do them mentally. Okay. So I'm going to challenge you and, and ask you, do, how does it, how do you visualize? I mean, when you're walking around, walking around the arena, do you take one event at a time and then walk me through how you would visualize your floor exercise? The music okay. starting. Okay, you're you're yeah. set, you're you're set up. The music starts. How do you what do you what are you visualizing when you're uh, doing it in your mind before you do it on the floor? So there's actually two ways of doing it, and I do both. So one of the ways first is I visualize from an outsider perspective watching me because I've seen my routine, so I know what they look like. So it's like okay, if I'm the judge's perspective or one of my teammates or someone else's perspective watching me do it, so I see myself in that position on the floor doing the actual routines and just like watching myself kind of doing it that way. And then the other way is actually doing it myself. So it's like, okay, now I'm in the starting position. I'm not watching myself doing it. I'm in it. What do I see when I'm in the starting position? And it's like, okay, then I'm mentally doing it from like what I see when I turn around, when I'm about to tumble, what am I looking at? So it's like from my perspective. So I find doing both actually really helps because it's like you visualize, you see yourself doing it well because you can see it. And then you feel yourself doing it well because you're in that position of yourself doing it. So I think both are really important. Um, and before I go compete, I do that. I stand between the bars and I stare at the bar and it's like, okay, this is me doing it. And then I stand back and it's like, okay, now I'm watching myself doing it. And it's crazy how much you're able to actually see yourself and feel it. Uh, but it does, it really helps for sure. Okay. So <clears throat> I love that. You've got an inside game and an outside game outside perspective in an inside game, but in the inside game is the most important one. Okay. Mm -hmm. What's going on inside your mind and your heart. What I've learned is that when athletes drop into their heart and get out of their head is when they compete their best. doesn't matter yeah. if it's golf. doesn't matter if you're shooting free throws. It doesn't matter what you're doing. If you can be in your heart. So mm -hmm. what I've, what I've learned about uh, visualization is that, like for golfers, they can, they're not even on the course. They can visualize the shot. They can smell the grass. Mm -hmm. They can feel the wind on their face. Okay. They can yeah. hear somebody yelling four on another mm -hmm. hole. Mm -hmm. For you, when you're doing that feeling inside visualization, in addition to what you just do in your routine, what else are you visualizing? Are you feeling um, the audience's energy? Yeah. And like one big thing is the lights. Uh, we compete in like arenas that have really bright lights. And if you're going on bars and you do a release that you're looking up for a second, that really throws you off. Sometimes you can't even see the high bar if you're going looking back and going to reach for it. So you like, okay, you look around, you look up. It's like, okay, the lights are there. The lights are here. So you mentally prepare yourself for what's going to happen. Or you're going on vault, you have to do vault, and there's another event right beside it. And it's like, 
okay, so I'm going to see the vault and I'm going to see another girl on the other side on the, on the beam, for example, doing her routine. It's going to be, I'm going to be able to see it, but I'm not going to focus on it. So it's just preparing yourself for the things that could potentially happen as well to throw you off. So you're prepared for it. And then you know how to deal with it when it does happen, if it does happen. So I'm not saying look for all the worst case scenarios, but just sort like be around, be aware of your environment to know, okay, this could happen and this is how I would deal with it. And this could happen and this is how I'm going to deal with it. So you're prepared for whatever was to happen based on your environment. Or it's like, oh, this judge's table is a little bit close. I could get distracted by that or I could get distracted by that. But it's like, okay, I already know about it. So when I do my routine, I'm just going to focus on my routine. And I already know about all these other external things that could distract me. Well, one of the things I've talked to guys about is the minute you get off the plane in whatever city you're playing in, you start visualizing what's going to happen. Checking into the hotel, getting on the bus to go to the stadium, um, you know, a conversation you might have with a coach before the competition. Uh, do you visualize any of that stuff and prepare yourself for, you know, a coach that may fly off the handle or say something <laughs> negative or a teammate that might be jealous that says, hey, I hope you do well. And you can tell by the sarcasm in their voice that they really hope you don't do well. How do you visualize those external things or do you block them out? It depends on the situation. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. Um, I try to focus my energy and what I'm thinking on of what I think is going to help me the most. So sometimes if it's those negative conversations with people, it's like, okay, I'll deal with it when it happens. I don't want to go through it twice. Um, but I know it's going to happen. Like it's bound to happen sometimes, but just focusing on what I think is going to make me better and talking to those people I know aren't going to make me better. So I try not to think about it too much and just focus on the things that are going to help me. But I do think about other things that other than just the competition, like, okay, going on the plane, getting off, but I don't visualize it as much or spend as much time doing that. Okay. All right. Um, I am, I'm, I'm talking to a young woman who wants to be an Olympic gold medalist. Anybody that does what you do, that's their dream. When did this dream mm -hmm. start for you? And how, how has the intensity of that dream changed over time? And every athlete has detours, curveballs, things that throw them off the tracks. How have you held on to that dream when you face some adversity? Because everybody does. Yeah. Um, honestly, when I started gymnastics, I never saw myself being where I'm at now. Uh, I used to be really little, like seven years old, watching the girls practice and be like, oh my gosh, that looks so scary. I never want to do that. Like a backhand spring on beam. Like I'd be like, oh my gosh, that's so scary. Like I never really thought too much ahead when I was younger. I was just doing it because I loved it. So every single day I'd go in the gym and I'd have fun and I'd train and I got better and better just because I was enjoying what I was doing every single day. It wasn't until I was more competitive, I prob probably when I was around 12, I started competing at the national level. And that's when I really started to realize like, oh, I mean, I'm good at this. Maybe this could go somewhere. Um, but up until then, it was just doing it because I loved it. And I think that's what helped me just because I was loving it so much that I was just putting in the extra work. I was working hard at it. I loved the people I was with. Um, so that's kind of what started it for me. But then when I started competing at the national level, uh, I was just, I loved pushing myself. 
uh, I still didn't have the Olympics in back in my mind. Like, obviously everyone kind of does. It's like, oh, that would be cool. But I don't know if that'll ever be me. Like, I just want to keep working at this. I want to see how far I can go. Uh, I made the math, the national team when I was 14 years old. Um, that's when I really start to realize like, oh, this is really cool. I had my first international assignment. I was 14 years old. They sent me to Japan to represent Canada without my parents. I was like, wow, this is how, this is what the pros do. Like, this is really how it goes. And I'm making it, I'm doing it. Um, so that's really when I started to realize, oh, maybe this can go somewhere. Um, so I just kept working at it. Um, and I just, honestly, I was always the underdog. No one, not that no one believed that I, I would go places, but um, it was a little bit slower for me because I just didn't have all that support from everyone else as the other people based on their connections. So their family member did good. They're going to do better. So no one really had that going for me. So I was just going and doing it one, to one thing at a time, one competition at a time. Um, I had really good support system with my family. They were definitely my number one fans cheering me on and I'd come home from practice some days and uh, they'd be like, oh, how'd it go? And I'd tell them, they're like, oh, that's really good. Like, I'm really happy for you. I'm proud of you. You're going to go far. Like, they were always the ones telling me that. But in the gym world, I didn't have as many people doing that for me compared to other girls that I knew. I'll put it that way. So it was more, I'm just doing it because I want to do it and I want to see how far I can go. But it's almost that I felt like I didn't have people that believed I would go that far. So it was hard for me to believe it myself. Um how it went is every day I just would go in and I'd try my best. I'd work really hard. I'd put in the extra work and I got better and better that way. And I just had those few people that really supported me um, every day throughout my career. And that's, that's how I got to where I was. It was mostly myself driven because um, everyone, no one really expected it. And they, it was very obvious. So when I did um, and I made it to the trials and everything, like, it was all for myself. I was like, I worked hard to get here. I proved to myself that I made it here and I put in all this hard work with the good people that were surrounding me. And I just went, went out there and tried my best. And that's kind of how that went for me now. Um, I'd say probably in 2020, I was looking really good on the Canadian team. I was ranked top five going into Olympic trials and I thought my chances of making it were really high. Um, but it just didn't end up working out that way. And that's okay. It taught me other things that I need to learn. And I started doing NCAA gymnastics and I really started loving what I was doing it again. Um, and that's kind of what brought me to where I am now. I'm in a better place mentally, physically, my gymnastics is the best that it's ever been. And it's because of those good people that I've been training with in Nebraska. And now they're the ones that are also being there for me and hyping me up and like, Oh, you can do this. You're doing really well. And just having that external team with all the positive feedback has really helped me believe in myself because that's uh, that, that definitely just helps a lot. But um, this year, going into the next year for the Olympics, I'm feeling really good. I'm feeling really confident. I'm in a really good place mentally and physically. And I just this year is different going into it because I believe that I can do it. I feel like that other year, especially with COVID, I really just didn't believe it. And I didn't, I felt like I didn't have a lot of other people that believed. So this year I feel like I'm surrounded by a good team. I believe in myself. Other people are telling me that they believe in me and it's just a different approach to the game. That's awesome. One things, one of the things that comes through Emma is the fact that you'd love to do something that you love. 
And because mm-hmm. you enjoy competition, you enjoy the sport, you enjoy training, you enjoy practicing, you're still in, you're still in it. Yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of girls you started with that are not competing anymore. Is that a fair statement? Yeah. yeah, for sure. There's, I mean, like you're, you're like on the older end of the spectrum in terms of age for gymnasts, right? Yeah. Yeah. They get burnt out. They get injured. Or they stop believing in themselves. The sport doesn't, they love the sport, but the sport doesn't love them back. Yeah. Right. But one of the things I want to encourage you is that <clears throat> because you're in this position where if you perform well at the trials and, and whatnot, you can represent your country in the next Olympics. And you said you now believe in yourself because other people believe in you. I want to encourage you to have that gold medal energy, gold medal mindset, gold medal. It doesn't mean you're going to win it, but you, if you have a gold medal standard and perhaps your standard is higher than even your national coach's standard, your standard for yourself is higher than theirs for you. Mm-hmm. You're going to make the Olympics. And then when you go to the Olympics, there's going to be a lot of, I mean, it's the best of the best, right? But you've seen these girls before. You've competed in world championships, yeah. right? Yeah. So there's not, there's there may be some girls that are out there that are pretty talented, but it's like, I feel like the mindset is the differentiator for accomplishing something that people don't think you can do. It's the differentiator yeah. in doing something that's never been done before. Give me a perspective on those thoughts. No, I think that's definitely very important. And that's, that's what I lacked the last time around. And I think a lot of it was based on the other people around me. I was very heavily influenced by that. And I felt like I needed that extra support to go farther. But through the things that I've gone through over the last few years, I realized that I didn't need that. It was all about myself and my, the mindset that I brought to it. So this year I feel like I'm a lot more prepared for that. I know what it's like to not make it. I was an alternate for the 2020 Olympics and an alternate is honestly a really tough position to be in. And I know what that's like. And I learned a lot from being that in that position. Like an example is everyone went to Tokyo and I had to stay behind at our national team training center. And every day they would, I was in this group chat with the whole Olympic team and they would send me the pictures that they were of the things they were doing. And I just had to keep sending in my training videos. I had to keep working back home in case someone got hurt and they had to fly me over. So not saying that I'm not grateful. It was definitely a great experience for me. And I'm very proud of myself for being an Olympic alternate, but that was also a really tough position to be in. And I've learned a lot from that. And I feel like I can use that experience moving forward to try for these next Olympics. And um, it's all about mindset. And that's really what I'm learning. Well, I think the thing that I've learned is that if you don't believe, others won't. Yeah. Everybody thinks it's about, they want to get affirmation from others. And if everybody else has given you that smile and that that feeling of affirmation, then you feel good about yourself. But I'm here to tell you that it starts with you. Yeah. And if you believe in yourself, then everybody else is like, well, she thinks she's good. So I guess she's good. And I think that's what happens when you show up for an event. You have mm-hmm. certain girls that walk around with a, a hop in their step. They've got this like, like supreme confidence energy going on. So what mm-hmm. do you do when you see that person? 
oh, she must be good. Yeah. And then you got this girl that, you know, is walking around like her, her, you know, favorite pet just passed away. And she's in the, she's, she's grieving. And you're like, well, she's nobody. Yeah. So uh, the question is, it's like the chicken and the egg. What comes first? Mm-hmm. What comes first? You believe it in you or somebody else, your coaches, your national team, the media, your peers, your whoever else you want to throw in there. Do they believe you? Do they believe in you? Yeah. Yeah. That's it, a good way to look at it. It's you. <laughs> yeah. It's always going to be you. It has to yeah. be you. Yeah. Okay. So every sport, every sport on the planet, people just, it, there's a lot of work that's done behind the scenes. Practices, um, grinds, workouts, things like that. So for football players, it's it's a lot of times just in the weight room. Okay. Mm-hmm. Those guys are in there doing um, lifting weights in lots of different ways so that their body can sustain the violence that they're gonna they're gonna incur when they get on the field. Mm-hmm. You know, golfers spend hours in the in the um, sand trap, just hitting balls on the green from the sand trap. People don't see that. So when they get mm-hmm. in a match and they hit the ball in the sand, they're not freaked out because they've They've hit 10,000 balls out of the sand in the last year. Mm-hmm. What is it that you do as a gymnast that people wouldn't think you do to make yourself the best and make yourself prepared for your competitions? Well, this seems kind of obvious, but I don't know how many people actually know, but just the amount of time that we spend in the gym. Uh Growing up, before I moved to Nebraska, I was training about 30 hours a week, five times a week. It was 12 to 5 every day uh, just because you had to have so much repetition and you have to train four different events. So you come in, you warm you warm up, you stretch, you do your workouts, and then you go through each event and then you cool down. So you do more conditioning and you stretch. So it's a very long practice. Uh, you do drills. You try it. You go in the foam pit, you do on softer mats, and then you work your way up to be able to do things on the hard landing. So I think it's just the amount of gymnastics that we do every single day that a lot of people don't realize. Or maybe you do, but it's just we have to train so much and so much repetition to be able to compete under those high-pressure situations. And then to learn those new skills, you have all those drills. You have to go in the soft landings. You have to go in the pit. You have to go on the trampoline. You have to go on the fake beam. Like All of these things that you have to do to build up to be able to do it on a higher, I guess, like the, the actual event, like learning a new skill or doing a skill, everyone's like, oh my gosh, that's so scary. Like a skill that we do on the beam. And it's like, it is, but the amount of work that went into getting it and building it up to there, first you do it on the line, then you do it on a line that's a little bit elevated off the floor. And then you do it on a harder one like that. And then you do it on a beam with mats that are about the same height as the beam. And then you do it a little bit lower and then you do it with a mat on top of the beam and then you take the mat under the beam, but then there's still mat on the beam. And then you keep doing all these steps to build, to be able to learn and do it on the actual event that you see when we compete. So there's a lot of progressions to yes. uh, get to what you see on TV. Yes. Yeah, so thing, like, it's kind of scary. Like what we do mm-hmm. is kind of scary sometimes. So mentally you just have to build and prepare yourself for it. So you do all those little progressions to feel confident doing the actual thing. Well, one of the things that I learned today was the idea that you have to have different mindsets and different approaches to each event. 
Mm-hmm. Because some are power events, control events, calm events is what you shared before. And yeah. <clears throat> what do you do in practice to get yourself ready to be in that that like zone when you go to competition? Uh, when we're practicing closer to competition season, we do practice competitions a lot. We do inner squats. Um, sometimes the coaches will get judges in there just to practice some pressure sets. But even if we don't do that, we'll warm up. Everyone warms up in a competition format. Uh, we go to bars, for example. We get a certain amount of time to warm up as if it was a competition. And then our coach calls us one at a time and we keep going. One person shows the routine at a time. If there's a fall, we restart. Um, so it's like you practice competitions often or competition kind of mindsets in the gym before you actually go out to compete. Uh, we do that with every event pretty much. Um, my coach will judge us and she'll be like, okay, you guys have to get a certain score before you move on to the next event. Sometimes we're on the beam for an hour and a half, just doing these routines over and over again until the whole team hits a certain score. Everyone hits their routines. And I think that's for one, it's a team building kind of thing. You can't get frustrated at one teammate just because they can't hit their skill because we're in this together. We compete as a team. But on the other hand, you're just drilling it in your head. How did you, how to deal and handle those high pressure situations? And that's, what helps us when we go and actually apply it in competition. Okay. Emma, we're going to shift gears here for a second. I want you to close your eyes and I want you to just feel the, feel the, the joy of winning the gold medal at the next Olympics. Okay. And you're, you, you just, you, they're, they're, you're, you're, you've just been, the gold medal has been put around your neck and they do the national anthem for Canada. And now you find yourself with a, at a press conference with all these international reporters asking you about what, how did this happen? How did, how did you win the gold? So now I want you to share with the audience your, your response. Can I open my eyes? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, I Emma, think just <laughs> what? How did this happen? Um, I would just the whole build up the last 10, 15 years of me working at it uh, is what led to it. Uh, the people that I worked with, the good and the bad, I've learned from both of them. Um, the hard and the good situations as well that I've been in the hard and tough competitions, just every single experience that I've had would have led up to that moment and just everything I've learned from that. How did you win the gold when you weren't even the favorite girl from the favorite gymnast from Canada? I mean, you no no one saw it coming. How did this happen? Hmm. What did you do differently? um, Probably just believing in myself. Um, Just being in the moment, do what I do every single day, and it just works out in that moment. Yeah. Who do you want to thank? Who do you want to thank for uh, believing in you all along the way? Number one would probably be my family, just because they've seen everything, the good and the bad, and they've always been there and supported me. Um, I'd also have to really thank Nebraska because they're, they're the people there are the reason why I'm at where I'm at. Um, I was about to quit after the last Olympic trials. I was about to be done with gymnastics and 
um, I decided to give it a go at NCAA and I just fell in love with the sport again. And it's thanks to those people that I'm still able to compete internationally um, and represent Canada again. And just, yeah, I, those two groups of people are definitely really important. <clears throat> Belief and love of the sport are two powerful things that lead to a lot of success for a lot of athletes. I want to thank you for being on Pro Mindset today. I want to thank you for being vulnerable and being honest and being real, um, giving everybody a perspective about the gymnastics world that perhaps a lot of people don't understand. Um, you know, you're at the top. You said something in the, your last comment that was very interesting, and I, I see it a lot. A lot of times people have their most success after they were just about ready to quit. Yeah. And the fact that you were in that mind frame that you were thinking about, you know, moving on and you kept going and you fell in love with the sport again, I expect great things from you because you have no pressure. You, yeah, you, you have, honestly, there's no, yeah. expe right. There's no expectations. Yeah. yeah. It's like everything you do is awesome. And so I expected to do extremely well. I expected to make the Olympic team for Canada and expect to go to the Olympics like watch on TV. I want to thank you for tuning in to Pro Mindset Podcast. If you enjoyed the listen, please leave a five-star rating. If the message was a vibration you connected with and you have any friends, family, or colleagues who would benefit, then please share this episode with them. You can follow Pro Mindset Podcast on the following social media platforms. Instagram and YouTube, Pro Mindset Podcast. Twitter and Facebook, Pro Mindset Pod. LinkedIn, Pro Mindset. We will drop our shows, Pro Mindset Podcasts, every Wednesday morning, and we invite you to listen and subscribe. Also, don't hesitate to check out our archives to listen to previous shows. And finally, I encourage you to embrace a Pro Mindset truth from today's show. It just might be the key to unlock the pro inside you.